welcome to yet another episode of the Rangers Rundown. I am Max, joined tonight by Mike. Hey now. And the ghost of Hayden's future and present. Not sure Not sure what's going on there. I, the, the ghost of Hayden past is busy tonight, but the other ghosts of Hayden will be here and may chime in here and there so we can make fun of them as necessary. There you go. Such is the nature of things. Yeah, uh, Hayden apparently just embarrassed. Um, you know, he has split loyalties. I think many longtime listeners of the podcast will know that Hayden, huge Chicago White Sox stan, uh, just cannot shut up about Nick Madrigal. He's never been quiet about him. So he's off uh, drunkenly celebrating a series sweep of his hated Texas Rangers. So uh, obviously, big congratulations to our dear friend Hayden on his uh, huge gambling win, going for the uh, the hometown heroes here, the Chicago White Sox. Pour one out, folks. Will Hayden ever be back? Probably not, to be honest with you. I would would steer very clear at this point. All right. Yeah, well, uh, Hayden not missing a whole ton. Uh, Kind of a mopey series sweep for Texas. The most interesting game was a game the Rangers lost two to one. Um, (laughs) At least the pitching was good in that game, you know? Yes. Yeah, Kyle Gibson did his job. Which is still very weird to think about. He's doing his best to bring us a nice little return at the trade deadline. That's uh, gotta hope. Keep at it, Kyle. Good on you. Yeah, six innings, give up the one run, two walks, five strikeouts, and six hits. Not an extremely electrifying performance, but certainly one you will take to the bank every single time. If your name is Kyle Gibson or you are a Rangers fan. John King couldn't quite seal the deal in relief, although he did not pitch poorly by any particular uh, means just one mistake pitch. The tough luck loss there. That's yeah. all it takes. That is all it takes. Um, Rangers kind of kept in the game with Willie Calhoun hitting the tying home run in the top of the ninth. Definitely been fun to see Willie back. Picked up a couple of hits in the uh, series finale today on Sunday. Also picked up a hit by pitch. Hope he's <laughs> feeling okay tomorrow. Did not look particularly pleasant, although it wasn't, you know, an Elvis Andrews elbow explode kind of pitch. No, either. and it wasn't in the face. That's a that's a positive. Yeah, we, we don't need to, any more of those. Yeah, they need to they need to be nice to our our beautiful boy and uh, leave him alone. So, you know, the White Sox are supposed to be a pretty good team. They're off to a, a somewhat slow start, I think. If you were to ask White Sox fans this year, obviously the loss of Eloy Jimenez at the beginning of the year with that torn pectoral has slowed them down, although they replaced him with Yermin Mercedes, who Rangers fans have now had a pretty good chance to see the last couple of games, and he's fun. He's uh, he's extremely fun. Unless you're rooting against him, and then he's really Unless no fun at all. Him, yeah. But you shouldn't be. Root for Yermin Mercedes. I mean, he's really what um, I think we were hoping Willie Calhoun would be in terms of an offensive profile. Kind of a, a thick hitter who just sprays balls around, picks up big shots, doesn't really have a defensive home, but you don't care because the bat's that good. So I hope uh, I hope he was taking notes this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Willie's fine. Willie's gonna oh, be yeah, fine. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not worried about Willie Callahan. I'd, I'd love me some Willie. Um, uh, was it was it the Friday game that Mercedes had like a four hit extravaganza, just doing his thing? It's very possible. Yeah, I think it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Um, Although the, the Rangers have had, obviously, some fun performances from their hitters this series as well. Adelise Garcia continues to be pretty fun. Did pick up a hit today. You know, it wasn't really setting the world on fire in the Sunday game, but he's had some home runs this series. He had two yes. in Friday's game. That is correct. A three-run shot and a solo shot. So, 
Love not bad. His uh, no, his ops care. his ops is now nine twenty seven. Not bad. I no. mean, he's right where we need him to be. So just keep being Adolis. Yeah. Um, it's fine. I mean, we talked about Adolis a lot on Wednesday. We don't need to, to sort of dig right back into it, but it is it is fun to watch. It is easy to root for him right now, and uh, I hope that continues. Obviously, the league is going to make some adjustments. Uh, guys like this is kind of a pop-up profile. It all comes into can they readjust to the league adjusting to them? You know, the the the, the scouting reports going to go out of like this guy never swings at the first pitch or this guy can't hit curveballs. You know, whatever it is, he's going to have a weakness. We know he's got them. You right, know, strike out was like like 160 times at AAA uh, two years ago. You don't do that if you have no flaws in your game as a 26 year old or whatever. Sure, we get it. I'm not pretending that he is the second coming of Babe Ruth, but if he can make that adjustment this time in places that he hasn't been able to make it before, maybe this is something that the Rangers coaching staff has seen or they have a good way of communicating with him that he hasn't experienced in other organizations, you know, with the Cardinals specifically. Sure. Um, Got to hope for it. Got to hope it's still coming. And, and even if it you know doesn't, as often does happen with these stories, it's been fun. I'd much rather have a guy have a really sweet couple of weeks to start his career and then kind of peter out. Because at least he had that. Then mm-hmm. a guy just like never making it at all, and we're just like, ah, that guy sucked. So this is at least fun. You know, you know, he's he's not going to forget his first couple of home runs in the bigs. He's up to what five, six home we runs already. Five home runs tied for the team lead. Yes, I think he leads the team. So that's pretty good. So he's up there for the team lead with home runs now with uh, with Solak. Then right, that is correct. Who's had himself uh, really a hell of a weekend, uh, kind of all the way around. We're seeing his. You know, play in the field has been steady. He's not the most exciting defensive player in the history of defense, but that's not why he's here. He's here to hit baseballs. And he's up to an 887 OPS, batting average just a tick below 300. Um, WRC Plus on fan graphs up to 155 after today's performance. He went two for four. And one of those hits was very much an athlete special. You know, we've heard for a long time that Solak is beloved for the organization because of his speed, his athleticism, his ability to like be a gamer and a grinder. And he brings his lunch pail and he brought that lunch pail all the way into first base and beat an infield hit today, which yeah, you'll love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So like he looks as advertised at this point, you know, he's got the batting average up to 296. Three out of 10 will get you in the hall. That's what they always tell you. So <laughs> he is right where he needs to be. And we are not missing uh Mr. Rudnet Odor these days. Are we not? Did you see his home run? I don't care. <laughs> is he is he batting above 200? No. So, has he really changed? No. It's mm. good old Rugi. Be somebody else's problem. Rudnet gonna Rugnet? He is. He really is. But yeah, it, I mean, a fun batting line. Does have that 175 batting average with a 650 OPS because it's all slugging, something that Rangers fans certainly know extraordinarily well at this point. All too familiar with. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, no. you know, is, is Solak different in some of these other ways of, like, you know, going hard on the, the, these balls in the infield and playing some relatively competent second-base defense? No. I mean, I think that would be unfair to say that Rignan Odor did not do those things. Um, but True. Solak is faster. <laughs> he is. Uh, and that's nice. I mean, for a guy who has such an awkward-looking swing coming out of the box, like he really seems to you know, put it in the bucket and kind of sell out for power and then uh, booking it down the line the way he does, pretty fun. 
And I'm obviously a huge sucker for fast players, of course. Oh, of course. Always have been. Always will be. Love me some Delino DeShield, some Eli White. Oh, bring it on. Mess me up with some Adelise Garcia sprinting footage. Yeah. I'll get there. Um, it's been fun. It's been good. And, and it really spe- certainly promising parts. It kind of speaks to the whole meat of the order. We were talking about this before the podcast. Right, we're, yeah. I'm really excited. I mean, just, just kind of run down the line you're looking at. The guys who are going to be on this team, hopefully, when we're contending again. Mm-hmm. Calhoun, batting three thirty-three, ops of 887. IKF, he was slumping. He's got his average up to two fifty-eight. He went three for five today. Mm-hmm. Gallo's going to Gallo. We know he's oh, missing boy. the power. We'll get we're there. Gonna, in a we're going to we're going to dive into that. Uh, Nate Lowe's doing fine. His ops is eight twenty-seven. Adelis Garcia, his ops is nine twenty-seven. Solak, his ops is eight eighty-seven. I mean. That's that's a that's a good lineup. I mean, yeah, that's pretty solid there in the heart. Obviously, Willie was in the leadoff spot today, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, um, as they they bumped Isaiah kind of Falefa down from the one to two. We've talked before about how IKF is an extraordinarily weird leadoff hitter in the modern age. Willie Kellen is definitely a weirder leadoff hitter, right? Because kind of Falefa, we didn't get faster with that switch. But I um, I like it. I mean, it's kind of fun. And I think it's an interesting take to try and continue to push Calhoun, a guy that we've seen some discussion about his like mental engagement. And I'm not saying that to question him. It's that like when the team has found ways to really get him to like um, – uh, you know, engage in a new practice or like to do a thing when they they found the way of like speaking to him and communicating that it's been really successful. It's been extremely effective so far in his career. Um, I think you mentioned it maybe last Sunday that there were some issues when he was sent down when he did make the team. I think it was two years ago out of spring training, and that there were some concerns that he he didn't handle it very well. And the team found a way of re-explaining it to him that re-engaged him and and like got him back into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really good. And so that's a, a part of dealing with players. These guys are not robots. We've said that so many times in this podcast before. You have to find a way of managing the people, um, you know, the, the men and women who are part of your organization, your team, be it a baseball team, be it a business, be it a club, you know, whatever it is. And the Rangers finding ways to engage Willie Calhoun to try to maximize what he's doing by finding new ways of, of unlocking his mind. Shit, if, if that means being a leadoff hitter, Let's do it. Like I'm fine with that. The guy is motoring. He's, he's not a high average. He's a high average guy. So yeah, in theory, he's a high contact player who doesn't take a lot of walks, but sees a decent amount of pitches. He's got a short swing. Like he's trying to get to the ball, and he's certainly not fast. Sure, but he runs. Like I was talking when he when he came up that you know, his first I think it was his first game back. Um, he had a, a couple of aggressive base running moves that I was really really happy to see. Because that means he's not scared of that groin and hamstring right. issue that held him out to begin the season, which is it's just awesome from a physical health. But it also means that this is a guy who's not second-guessing his own physical limitations because that's the thing that's going to make you the worst on the paths, not actually being slow. Albert Pujol steals bases. I just saw him steal a base like last week against Texas. <laughs> he stole like three bags two years ago. Yeah, and I think my... my I can walk backwards faster than Albert Pujols can run forwards. I guarantee you. My response to that is we needed to cut Trevino immediately when I saw that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's a Hall of Famer stealing bags. Yeah, you got to let him have it. But like He, he caught Trevino off guard. Let's just say that. He, I mean, he snuck up on all of us. 
Uh, and the point there being that savvy base running is a lot about confidence and reading you know, the defensive posture and knowing where the ball is, obviously. But if Willie Calhoun is a guy who's like, I can make it to third base, he's going to make it to third base way more often if he's a guy who's saying, mm, I don't know about that one, man. I don't think I can get there. And if sticking him in the leadoff slot and being like, yeah, dude, we trust you to be the leadoff hitter. You're going to get on bags. You're not going to slow us down. You're not going to clog stuff up. Uh, if that's what you know, speaks to him, roll tide. Let's do it. I love that. Uh, I want to keep pushing this guy. I want to keep challenging him. I think that Calhoun has been at his best when he's been handed something that he is led to believe may be too big for him to chew. I think that's that seems to be where his kind of meat is, when he feels good about himself and he's being told, like, hey, man, are you an all-star? Why don't you get out there and prove it? And maybe not, but I, you know, that's what I want to see. And Right. Sure, that's fine. In theory, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is supposed to be kind of a high-contact hitter. No power, we know that. Um, but sure, you know, if, if that means that he's got a guy on base in front of him before, he's seen a couple of pitches and he can be helping set up the dudes behind him, great. As we talked about on Wednesday, his defense has been so good this year that it, it does not matter. I don't care. Like, he's the second best defensive player in baseball, according to Fangraph so far. Don't care what he's doing at the plate. Not that important to me. Just go out there and do your thing, Izzy, and I think the hits will fall. Power may not be there, but I don't really care that much. Well, but uh, he he and Garcia are both in the top ten in uh, B War, aren't they? I believe the last time we spoke, they yeah, were FR for sure. because yeah. his defense is so huge. He's like the second best player by defensive run saved. His like zone rating is really really good. Like uh, Izzy is doing just doing incredible stuff out there at shortstop. So that's been he's a valuable player, um, even if he's not a big. Even if he's a, you know, a, a negative with the bat right now, he's still so useful to Texas for what he's doing as a shortstop that I, I there are so many more important things to complain about than Isaiah Kiner-Falefa being a 260 right. hitter, not a 280 hitter. Like, I don't, whatever. <laughs> like, we're fine. Um, David Dahl, his slow start is certainly starting to hurt a little bit. Um, he did I have a homer today. Him. He did have a home run. And I do like David Dahl. I've been a fan of his since he came up with the Rockies. Obviously, I got I to support my Alabama boys. He's out of Birmingham. I have some friends who went to high school with David Dahl. I wish him all the best, and I do hope he is good for my team. It has been a little rough to start. You skipped him when you went over the sort of kind of core hitters here. I did. Otherwise, Texas has a pretty interesting three through seven with Gallo, Lowe, Garcia, mm, Solak today. But that mm, is a, a sub-600 OPS in the form of David Dahl. Yeah. And whatever. <laughs> Again, this is a, a bit of a reclamation project, guys. A guy who's got some upside. You're hoping to see it come out. If you have to bump him down the lineup where he's one of those bottom three hitters, sure. Yeah, and, and this this is a year where we're just going to just learn about guys. Yeah, for sure. And I think that at the end of the season, our outfield pitchers should be much clearer. You know, I mean, my gut would tell me right now it looks like Gallo Garcia and, and uh, Leody. Mm-hmm. Dahl will be the odd man out. He's not going to be a fourth outfielder. He's going to go try and find another opportunity somewhere else. But yeah. who knows what it's going to look like by the end of the season. We're, we're just barely scraping the surface. We're about 12 to 15% of the way into the season, so... Um, plenty of time for him to put it together. Definitely rooting for him, but yeah. I, I think that's sort of a nice position to be in a little bit here. With the the Rangers, we expect them to be pretty bad coming into the season, and uh, they've been generally kind of bad. But they're nine and thirteen. We're not we're not a team that's staring at the gun of one hundred and thirty losses or some crap, right? You know, it's, 
it certainly could be a lot worse. And I don't think I entered the season being like, I want Team Tank. I want the first overall pick next year. I want to suck louder than anyone has ever sucked before. That's not really where Texas is, and it's not where we no. I think we have to hope they are on that win curve. We are. We know this is a team that's a tear-down rebuild. We know that. But we're hoping that the team has a couple of young pieces on it that are actually the part of the next good team and not that we're just in the, the wastelands here. Right. Because if we are supposed to be wastelands, if this is supposed to be rock bottom, we are screwed. <laughs> like that is, that is real bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because uh, yeah, it's hard to see where the long-term parts are. And, and you're not wanting this team to be, say, competitive for the ALCS next year either. But we've mentioned so many times about guys who are on this team who could be the part of the next good Rangers team, and we just named a bunch of those guys right there. You know, Calhoun, Gallo, Lowe, potentially Adelise Garcia, Nick Solak. These are dudes who could be around for a couple of years. Absolutely. Some of the pitchers kind of figure in there as well. So, And then if, and then if Young yeah. and, um, and Huff... I mean, they fill in yeah. at, uh, at third and, and behind the plate. You've almost got a team there. And mm-hmm. now, you're, now you're like, okay, let's keep improving the pitching, and then let's see who is the next Adrian Beltre, who's the next position player that, you know, mm-hmm. a gun for hire that could come in and really give us an extra injection of offense. It's, yeah, you know, and you're hoping that the, the second overall pick in the draft this summer is a, a guy who can step into a farm system and really inject some life. And, and, of course, I think we mentioned it in one of the earlier episodes that the second pick in the first round is obviously huge, but it also means we pick in the top of all the subsequent rounds. So right. the Rangers' second pick is going to be a guy who's a fringe first-round type, and that's that means something. That's a it pretty does. useful injection of talent. There's not a whole lot of delta between where Texas has been picking for much of the last like decade, which is like I feel like it's like the 13 to 18 range, like every year, right? Right in the middle of the first round, because like we are just good enough to absolutely suck out loud in the AL West, but not good enough to get a good draft picks. Um, the beginning of the second round, it looks a whole hell of a lot like the middle of the first round. These yeah. guys are all kind of in the same. There's a couple of standouts always at the top, and then you have a few guys who are like half step below them, and they're almost always gone by the time Texas drafts. And Texas always picks some guy who's lower ranked than those dudes anyway because they're a project or whatever. Taking the you know the second pick after the compensatory picks and everything in the uh, second round that that looks a lot like where Texas's first round draft picks have been for like most of the last ten years. So cool. Yeah. And we've added some players that are apparently very exciting to scouts. It was at Foscu, I think it was his name, Justin Foscu, the second mm-hmm. baseman who was the first pick last year. Apparently he opened some eyes in spring training. And uh, Davis Wenzel, um, who oh, yeah. mostly opened eyes because he looks like a garden gnome. Um, <laughs> he's, he's got that Justin Turner hair beard. It looks amazing. I, I, lo- I, I respect the look a lot. If I, could, uh, if I could rock that beard, I would do it myself, I think. But... Uh, there's some promising position players, which you really got to hope that the Texas Rangers are looking at adding a real impact player with a number two pick this year's draft. So, which you were just mentioned there about having some of these players and like looking forward to that future. If if guys like Young and Huff come up this year and look like they're legitimate hitters, all Texas really needs is a couple of pitches to build around as well. And you're talking about making some trades or free agent acquisitions to make this a good team. Right. And do we have that guy in the system right now? Not really. Cole Wynn's no. been derailed. Hans Krause has been derailed. All of our pitchers are derailed. They all get Tommy John and or something else comes up. Well, Cole but, Wynn, I mean, I, I still hope. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think there's different reasons to believe in these guys. I love Hans Krause. Yeah. I love Cole Wynn. Like, I'm, I'm still believing these guys. They're just not, you know, they're not top 25 
no. build around franchise picks. But if the Rangers are adding one of, uh, is it is Jack Leiter right? Son of Hal yep. Leiter, yeah, yep. Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker. Um, there's another arm who I'm now blanking on who's kind of in that conversation. Then you've got Jordan Lawler, who's also sort of the the big three, the high school hitter out of the Dallas area, but. Texas is probably looking at picking up one of those those college arms. I think they kind of fit the the franchise, and they're also best available player conversation there. Right. That's a different looking kind of team. If mm-hmm. all it takes is one of these young pitching prospects really stepping up this year, whoever that may be, maybe it's one of those guys who in the uh, what was that the D load program was it called D load? Yeah, Col Col Wynn was part of that. Yeah, and um, then there was the pitcher out of Texas, right? Um, Who's a phenomenal story in the Athletic, um, right? That, yeah, which we look really good for this. But <laughs> uh, all the things is like one of those guys stepping up and saying, "No, I I deserve to be a first round pick, and I am that good a pitcher." And then you add a guy like a lighter or a Kumar Rocker as another top end arm who you're hoping to to have a pretty quick trajectory. That's kind of fun. That's a, that's a different looking franchise, yeah. especially if some of these young players, like an Adelis Garcia, an out of nowhere dude who might turn into a center fielder or a left fielder if Leonid Tavares can kind of get the defense together and, and and everything else. If he can figure out um, how to hit, right? Imagine he will be in the minors when the minor leagues open. I would say if I was a betting man, I'd be right there with you. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. Uh, don't have to bet. A great way for me to lose a lot of money. Because yes. I will just bet on the Rangers a lot uh, because I'm very stupid. But let it Tavares, I imagine it is ticketed for the minor leagues, and that's okay. He has time. He's still like 14 years old. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out, kid. Do what do what you got to do down there. Um, obviously, Kohara Hara's performance today not extremely exciting for the sort of middle outlook Rangers team, but he, he has been promising at times, and I think he's going to have some of these performances. I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of like two inning complete that games. No, he he looked fine until this week. Obviously, we've talked about the fact that he gives up a lot of hard contact, and that's always a concern. Mm-hmm. So he's got to be able to to fool these guys. But you know, he had an off day today. His yeah, ERA was fastball is pretty rough. He's not ZRA, a two ERA pitcher. Yeah, yeah. But he's right now at a four. That's he's fine. not that either. I, I think he's somewhere in the threes. He's somewhere in the middle. And I would take him as a four. Yeah, that's that's a useful arm. Like it's not a guy leading your rotation, but a dude who just go out there and give you like a four ish ERA. Like you need to have some guys who are just who aren't putting up sevens <laughs> or <laughs> eating innings. Thing. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Obviously, it was obviously not a fun start for Dane Dunning as well in the, the Friday game. Uh, he did not manage to come out there and show some uh, revenge on the White Sox. Could not get out of the third inning. Colby Allard did pretty well in relief, put up two and a third innings of relatively clean work. Nothing super electrifying, but it does have his uh, season ERA down to 2.45. Yeah, like I said previously, I think he's in the starting rotation at some point this season. Kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what we brought him Kyle in Cody here for. Had some some rough bits here and there. So you know there there are there are bits there are pieces on the the pitching side on the offensive side. I, I actually wanted to kind of dig deeper into a particular offensive thing that I was looking at before, and that is uh, the personage of Joey Gallo, who has had an extraordinarily weird season to. Um, 
uh, start of the season. Sorry, he's an extremely weird start to the season thus far, in that uh, he's all singles, walks, and nothing else. <laughs> like not hitting dingers. Did he hit that home run on opening day? It was opening weekend for sure, but yeah, it was. It was so long ago. <laughs> it, it really does feel like a different era at this point. Um, it was almost a Thursday, month ago, April first. Let's look at that box score. Joey Gallo did not homer on opening day. Izzy, Dahl, and Lowe did. Okay. So it was that opening weekend. That was it in the minor game. I will keep looking for this. I'm going to find exactly how early in the season it was. Yeah, he opened it as uh, game two. Okay. First inning off Mike Miner. And then nothing. Off a lefty, which was like to be expected. He actually destroys lefties. It's very weird. And then it's been just like silent. And I I was mentioning before we started that I, I have no real concerns about Joey Gallo's power. You know, if we were talking about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa or uh, maybe even like a Nick Solak or a Willie Calhoun who's just all singles, no power, you go, yeah, like maybe they really don't have big league power for sure. It it, it happens. I'm not worried about that with Joey Gallo. No. It's a, that's a man who could put a ball 1,000 feet if he needs to. Yeah. This has just been weird. It's just a, It's just a very... Very weird start. So I was trying to dig into his Statcast stuff to see if I could pick up on anything that was that was really different that um, stood out for maybe being a, a a material shift from what he was doing in years past. You know, obviously his hard uh, hard hit stats are going to be down. He's just not hitting the ball that much. So right. you know, those are going to be different. But like, is it because he can't hit the ball hard? Probably not. Has he changed his swing? I think he has. Yeah, like sure. You know, hard hard to say what's really going on there. And I, I saw a couple of really odd and interesting numbers. And that's obviously his walk rate. He is the 100th percentile. He walked more than anybody else in baseball these days. He is the league leader in walks across majors. But his strikeouts are still high. That's his what we brought him in for, right? <laughs> yeah. His whiff percentage is extremely high. He is swinging and missing a lot. Which is weird. He's he's missing more than he has at any point in his career. He isn't hitting the ball extraordinarily hard when he is making contact. Um, but his chase rate and his swing weight overall are also down. Um, there's a, a couple of different stats categories here on StatCast that were kind of uh, fun. So his... Uh, chase rate is at the 18%. That's well below uh, what he's done for his career is about 25%. His highs were 28 and 29 in 17, 18. Um, his, this is a little below what he did last year in kind of a, a limited set in the 2020 season. So he is kind of swinging it out of contact um, pitches better than he has in the past. Yeah, I saw something posted, I think maybe by Levi, where he said that there are only seven players in baseball that are chasing balls out of the zone less than Joey Gallo. Yeah, I, that's that, that, that that's a right. that's elite. I mean, come that's on, extraordinary. Yeah, that's what we wanted him to be able to do all this time. We just didn't know it meant goodbye home runs. <laughs> and, I, and I don't think it does. I don't either. I don't the upside. I really don't think it does. I think there's something else. It's some small samples. It's just some like weird luck thus far. We have talked that he's just not getting very many good pitches to hit. Right. Um, and that is 
uh, true. His his percentage of uh, what are called meatball pitches here on Satcast. You can I think you can figure out what a meatball pitch is if you've been watching baseball for a period of time. It is the lowest he's seen since his rookie year. Um, but he's also not swinging at those pitches at all. His his swing percentage at sort of middle middle pitches throughout his career has been about 84, 85%. This season, um, it is uh, it's down to 57%. Wow. Which is bizarre. And yeah. it's partially because he's just not swinging. His swing percentage has usually been in the, the mid-40s. He's, he immediately swings at about 45% of pitches he sees. This year, 38%. That is a huge difference. Yeah. Like, that, is a, that is a concrete thing that you can point to and say, no, Joey Gallo is simply not swinging the bat that often this year. When he is, he's also missing at a rate he hasn't done since his rookie year. Just, it's, not, it's not a whole ton higher. But it's definitely worse than his really good years, um, and that's not awesome. Don't don't really love that. But from looking at his out of zone stuff, he's no longer swinging at, at crappy pitches as much. He just seems to have stopped swinging at everything, and that includes good pitches. And I, I think that's going to come around. I'd much rather a guy who's just kind of not swinging at anything and is drawing a billion walks than a dude who's swinging at everything. And we know that when he does swing and makes contact, the ball goes to the moon. So it's going to come together. It's just going to be a very weird experience until that happens because he's, he's, he does not hit singles. Our large adult son is not a singles hitter. Um, so it's been very funky to watch. I mean, maybe he's doing the same thing that Nate Lowe did in spring training, which we didn't know about <laughs> until after spring training was over, where he just told uh, Woody, he's like, I'm not going to swing at pitches. I, I just want to f- focus on pitch recognition sure. watching these pitches you know and Gallo this may be his mad experiment right now is just focused on okay did I judge that one right did I judge that one right you know whether or not it's in or out of the zone whether or not he's strung at struck out swung at it excuse me um, he's just doing some observing I mean he's better at pitch recognition now I can tell you that than what he was in the past that's for sure yeah, I think I think that's definitely pretty easy to see. That 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 walk rate spiking the way it has means that he is seeing pitches fairly well. He's oddly not seeing strikes, and I, I think that's really I think the way that you look at those stats means that he is intentionally watching and not swinging at a bunch of pitches. Um, yeah, he definitely has had a problem with with strikeouts looking in the past, where you, you'll put your head back and groan as he just doesn't swing at a pitch like at the top of the zone that he could have put into orbit when he swung at like two balls that were in the dirt. Right. It's happened in the past. He's just not doing that at all this season. Right. Um, and and I think that coupled with the fact that pitchers just don't feel that like they need to throw him anything, it means we're getting what we're getting. Yeah. And I think that will sort itself out. This is this is a dude who has established that his big league power is extremely legitimate, um, and that he can do whatever he needs to do to be a, a functional and not just functional but a, an elite baseball player. It's just hold on to your butts until that all sorts itself out because we're going to see some weird crap happening with this stat line. Until then, well, and if you're a conspiracy theorist or or not, ooh. the positive you can take out of this is he is tanking his stock. At the trade deadline, so that's a win-win. <laughs> sure, I don't want him going away. Sure, <sighs> I don't want him going away either. So, if this is what uh, Joey has to do to to maintain his uh, status as a Texas Ranger, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm all for it. it. Yeah, 
I'm ready to do it. But we're going to keep watching that. We're going to keep watching until Joey puts a couple more balls in orbit. Hopefully some of these pitchers can kind of sort themselves out either to be traded or to be really positively thought of as parts of the team in the future. Keep an eye on Nick Solak as he continues to maybe really live up to some of his hyped prospect status from a couple of years back. There's some fun players in this team. Texas is, uh, they're pretty bad, but they're pretty bad in a way that's, I think, much more watchable than I really, really thought with like a week before the season started. I thought this was going to be a pretty execrable team, but there's a couple of fun players. Their sequencing sucks, and it's going to suck all year because this is not a good team, and good teams can put together good games. I don't think Texas will do that. But we've highlighted some pitchers that are fun to keep an eye on. We've got some hitters that are fun to keep an eye on. Maybe some of these guys are really to develop into players that we're going to be thinking about in 10, 20, 30 years. That's the hope. Let's see how it goes. Their stock is pointed upward. I'm happy. It, it can't really be pointed downward, and, and I'm okay with it. I mean, but it could. It really could. It could. There could, be, there could be way worse things to be watching this year. We could be talking about some way grosser stuff than we have been talking about, and, and that's, that's promising enough. And I think this team has been more entertaining thus far than either of the last two to three seasons, to tell you the truth. Because it yeah, was all I mean, doom I'm and definitely... gloom the, the last couple of years because you're like, it's going to get worse before it gets better, you know? And we had all these awful reclamation projects on the pitching mound, and it, you actually see a glimmer of hope now. So I'll keep watching. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep tuned in. I'm much more tuned in than I was last year, and and I think I'm more tuned in this year than I really was even in 2019, like you mentioned. So that that's that's definitely something to to keep encouraged about. Uh, we got the Angels coming to town for a three game set. We get another turn with Shohei Otani. Yeah. Of course, uh, by the time I hit publish on the episode last week, his OPS was no longer higher than his ERA. Womp womp. Well, but uh, for that one shining moment. Beautiful, <laughs> glorious moment. He will get Jordan Lyles in the Monday night opener, meaning between two true titans of the AL West. Yes. Um, we get another crack at Jose Quintana in the Tuesday game. He'll go up against Fulton Evitz. We'd love to see Fulton get on track in that game. We'll see. And then the third game will be uh, Cobb and Dunning on the Wednesday game. Hopefully Dane can kind of right the ship, have a good start after a pretty pretty gross one against the White Sox to start this series off. So that's what we got coming up. We'll have the, uh, the beloved Boston Red Sox in town to follow it up, but we will, of course, update that series as we get closer to it. Yes. Until then, keep watching your number one franchise, the beloved San Diego Padres. Um, I know we will continue watching the Padres, what the podcast is all about. We are a Fernando Tatis, Jerex, and Profar show. After all, always have been, always will be. That's why we're called the Padres Rundown. It's in the title. Take a look. Keep hitting dingers off Trevor Bauer. It's pretty funny. Go, go Rangers. Go Padres. Go Padres. <laughs>